0: You'll notice, among other things, that the, oh, the experiencer, the spirit, which is uh, inside of all the garments that you see here, is wearing on the outside uh, with a dark background, which would correspond to Dina on the tree of life, is wearing what amounts to the knowable universe, in other words, uh, the tree of life represents all that we can know and uh, all that we can know is the universe which is of course a large order and takes a while to understand a couple of weeks or so but this is this is the outer garment of the fool and then inside of this garment the next the inner lining of this black garment which is the universe is the desire nature represented by the red that we see here, the rajasic nature. And finally, the white garment represents the sattvic nature. And uh, in the, as you recall, in uh, key ten, we had this uh, represented by the sulfur over here representing the rajasic and the, the, uh, the tamasic which was the darkness was represented here by the salt and the mercury represented the sattvic nature. These, of course, are the three gunas of Hindu philosophy. The important part is to remember that our spirit uh, is, is something else from everything that is going on. And since this particular work that you and I are involved in is a work of liberation, it's very important that somewhere along the line we, we get the spirit part of ourselves straightened out so that we understand that it is not what is going on. It is not the play. It's the experiencer of the play. And furthermore, as we know, there are techniques involved in this work to help us to write the play ourselves rather than to to just be involved in it in uh, we'll say a very small way as uh, carrying a spear or something like that as they say in the trade. So uh, our intellect is represented by the dog and you'll notice that it's Purified, that is to say, it's it has the color of spirit rather than reflecting the earth, which would be the darkness. And uh, of course, we know from our deliberations here over the weeks, months, and years that the mind, which uh, the intellect and the mind are the same thing in our very rough way of describing things, the mind has two aspects it has a dark aspect which represents the earth and reflects the earth and then it has a light aspect which represents the more spiritual aspect of ourselves and in this particular instance of course the the mind is reflecting the more spiritual aspect as a matter of fact since dogs are marvels of attachment the Intellect has attached itself to the divine spirit in ourselves, which is represented by represented by the living being that <laughs> is inside all of these garments that you see here. Uh, of course, again, this white rose that you see here represents the purified desire nature, and what this means is, as we've said many times, it doesn't represent the the uh, Victorian notion of Uh, the desire nature is a dirty thing which should be thrown out as soon as possible but rather it is the very means by which we uh, achieve our aspirations and uh, the purification of the desire nature simply means that it becomes single rather than diverse when it's all over the place we are driven by it all over the place And this isn't much fun for us believe me so um, you know that this particular key is a synthesis of the whole tarot in fact Paul case when he uh, produced that monumental it used to be a dollar I don't know what it is now a little book called the highlights of the tarot he had the fool on the outside later uh, the uh, Hermit was put on the outside, but in the original edition, the Fool was put on the outside as the synthesis of the entire tarot. And it is, it has everything in it that is in the tarot. One way or another, it's all in there. Uh, the mere fact that the Tree of Life is on is on the outer garment is, is quite significant in this respect. The only thing that the Fool, fool needs is creative power. And, of course, this is symbolically represented by the wand and the, and the wallet, which are obviously a phallic symbol. And, of course, the phallus represents the, the creative possibilities of life. Uh, hence, the bull. Uh, Olaf means the bull. And uh, the bull always rep- represented in the old days, represented the creative aspect. And one of the things that we're trying to do here is to get into the area of creative activity which uh, has nothing to do with karma as we normally conceive of it so uh, this high country that you see here of course is you might say the native land of our spirit it is not something that is living in low country but living in high country and it has great vistas and the eye of the spirit as you know from your own experience sees great distances and sees into things in a great way and uh, again it has an almost uh, illimitable uh, vision vision is very much associated of course with the fool the fact that it is an airy Spirit in the three mother letters of the Kabbalah All of course represents the air and mem water and sheen fire Now it's the life breath that's represented here the thing that is alive Which is what we are and of course? It's associated with fire and so it's also called the fiery intelligence because in our own life we know that the breath actually sustains what we call life. So there's an intimate mixture between, we'll say, olive, mem, and sheen in this particular key, even though the uh, emphasis of olive in the three mother letters is the air. They're really uh, something that you cannot take apart any more than you are supposed to take apart the three top aspects of the tree. The olive would be corresponding to the principle of consciousness, and the sheen would correspond to the energy aspect at the top of the tree, and of course this would correspond to mem, or the water. Uh, The fact that the fool is going to do a dumb thing and step off the side of this cliff and go to his doom is very important because this, this unconcern of the fool has to do with what we normally call karma. And the fool is above karma in the sense that uh, you might say God is above karma. The, uh, the essence of life is not bound by karma because it's creative. And it's always just a little bit ahead of uh, everything else that's going on. And insofar as we involve ourselves in a more creative way with our essence, of course, we get out of the tangles of karma. Well, we, we've been into this before, and we can go into it again as many times as you wish, because it's a, a very vital part of the whole process of becoming. The uh, the sun in the background of this key, which is colored white, of course, is the central sun of life, and it corresponds not to the solar aspect, which is of course very important in our lives, but to the central spiritual sun of the entire universe, which is a sustaining factor uh, that is not mechanical in the sense that we can observe the solar force working in ourselves in detail. Uh, the the subtle force that sustains the entire universe, which is like God, you might say, is Uh, quite beyond uh, you you might say scientific analysis which applies very well to the solar force that's operating in ourselves we can see it quite scientifically and trace uh, the movement of it in ourselves and in the life around us and I'm speaking I'm speaking uh, specifically of living beings but when we get to uh, you know uh, what sustains the whole thing, we get into a, an abstraction which is represented by the white sun. Well, that's a start. I'm sure you can help on, help out from now on. Yes.
1: Um, I just learned something really interesting in hieroglyphics. The uh, picture of the eye means to make. It's the, the verb to make.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: Which I, you know, right away yeah. thought of the creative vision. Uh,
0: the, that's very interesting because uh, in in the meditations on the Kabbalah, in the Book of Tokens, for instance, it says on the, in the meditation on the letter Hey, it says I am both a vision and a voice, and then it goes on to say, of course, that uh, this is the creative power, and so on and so forth. But you know from your own experience as an artist that if you can't envision something, you can't produce it. So uh, the eye is involved in the making in the, in the very beginning.
1: You have to be careful, though, I notice in art, I can't conceive of it too good in my head. I have to almost let it, I have to leave it a lot open.
0: Well, um. uh, the reason is that in, in, in real art rather than commercial art, in real art, you actually touch uh the creative essence and so uh you're not expected to know exactly what is going to happen in fact it would be very dull if you did if you're a commercial artist you know exactly what's going to happen you're going to paint a can of or depict a can of tomatoes and uh, put it in uh, a proper position in the ad and you're going to get paid anything from ten dollars to ten thousand dollars depending on who you are but in in real art the the inspiration which comes to you is coming directly from the creative aspect and it wouldn't be much fun if you knew exactly what it was going to be you see see we uh, even though you know we don't uh, think of ourselves as being important all the time uh, the the creative aspect in life is always working in us and if we if we become aware of it well we can more or less salute it as something that's going on in ourselves it's a poetic inspiration and the artist of course it it is a movement within the artist which uh, uh, it's in other words when it becomes a conception uh, it's the baby already yet you see and before the conception it's the inspiration and uh, it's It's a nothing until you conceive of it, but still it impinges on the artist and the result is a conception, the artist's conception. And of course, in the the poet's case, it's poetic inspiration, which is, uh, uh, there's no explanation for it except uh, in the deep sense that we try to explain what's going on. Otherwise, there isn't any. It just happens. But in this particular instance, uh, there is, as you know, a philosophy in all this, and the philosophy contains (coughs) elements of explanation, you might say, which may or may not be valid, but that's our choice. We can decide for ourselves whether we like the explanations or not.
2: Yes? Yeah, sure. Uh, Believe in in that meditation, it says, I utter the world by seeing.
0: Which would be the- yeah 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 the eye is uh, of course for many people they think of the eye as a receptive uh, device but actually this isn't so it's it's a creative device as well as being a receptive on one level it's receptive and on another level it's creative because it's it's the lower expression of the power of vision and as i mean on the physical level it, it's uh, the power of vision uh, as something that's functional but we have as you know uh, the you know the old saying as above so below well there is an inner eye as well as the outer eye and the inner eye is the one that can envision and then this expresses itself through the outer eye and in this case it's a positive thing that comes from the inside and and works out through the eye into the outside. Instead of you know the ordinary situation is that the eye is a major receptive proposition. Yeah.
3: Aren't we doing this to at least some extent all the time?
0: Oh yes. And yeah. uh, we all know that everything that's true is true right now. Uh, our problem is that we're unconscious of it and what we're trying to do is become conscious of what is going on but everything there isn't going to be any discovery in the sense that uh, or uh, there's nothing new about ourselves it's just that you and i have to make a great effort to discover what we are in the first place because we don't really know yes
4: uh, to go back to that symbolism for a minute of hers and yours about the baby, the period of gestation can be the period she's speaking of when she doesn't know just what's yeah. going to happen, but it's happening.
0: Yeah, well actually the moment of conception is is uh, uh, is not just a moment necessarily, but it can be a rather protracted affair in terms of what we're speaking of. In other words, inspiration doesn't necessarily have to be a thing of a second or a split second or however fine you want to slice it, but it can be rather an ongoing thing.
4: Most of the things that I do, I call, I say they go through a yeasting period. And they sure do. Yeah. You know, you put them aside and let them yeast.
0: <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it works very rapidly. I was, I was reading a uh, uh, priestley's book last night man and time which is a very interesting book and he said that uh his i think it was either three or four really smash hit plays were written in 10 days uh and that all the other ones that he did uh, they were okay and he you know he got some bread out of them and so on but the ones that were really fantastically successful were the ones that he wrote almost he wrote almost automatically in other words he was in the grip of a of an inspiration that worked you know very swiftly and I remember too about that Ben Johnson had a similar experience in writing some of his plays which were very successful so the time factor is is something that's I think is a little bit on the flexible side it may you know work very fast or it may be protracted and 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 work over a period of course the emphasis here is is really uh one of um you you might say separating one's own spirit from everything that is going on and which we've talked about many times here and uh, the isolation uh of our spiritual self is an important part of the work that we have to do on ourselves because we have to realize that uh, uh, the whole scene is something that's very plastic and the essential part of the whole business is that uh, the spirit actually rules the entire affair it's not the subject it's uh, it's the ruler of the whole business and insofar as we involve ourselves in You might say our own spirit uh, we become more and uh, more and more involved in creative acts that uh, represent that spirit rather than what's going on in the world this is uh, the way it is so it isn't that the world is not important of course it's important but the world is the medium of expression and the universe is the medium of expression and we uh, you and I and all of us together Are generally involved in the medium rather than in the essence and so we have to extricate ourselves from the medium and understand that the whole smear is the medium that means everything Uh, our desire nature and the whole bit which again is well symbolized in this by the fact that these are garments and then in the following key, in the magician, you know, the, the desire nature, which is represented by the red robe, is something that he can take off. He doesn't have to sleep in it. He can if he wants to, but he doesn't have to. And, you know, he can, he can strip down and uh, streak all he pleases. And this is the one thing that is terribly important as far as liberation is concerned. It isn't that we don't want to get out of life. We're not, this isn't our, uh, our game at all it's it's it isn't that at all it's it's rather that we understand what is free and what is bound and what is free is always free and what is bound is always bound and uh you know this is the difference between day and night and we are free and if we don't feel free for any reason or another you may be sure that you're in the world of things that are bound you know for instance, in, in literature, they say a person is earthbound. Well, this is one way of expressing it, but and it's you know it's helpful because uh, it means that your mind is all taken up with with things that are relative <coughs> things uh, cont- about the earth and this and that and the other thing. But essentially, uh, we are not all these things. And this is the thing that we, as a work, we have to do. In ourselves to free that essential spirit which uh, is is definitely above uh, the universe in other words the universe is the playground of the spirit and uh, uh, the minute that we get bogged down in the universe for one reason or another either fascinated by it or, or however we get mixed up with it and we lose sight of the fact of what we really are, well, then we're in trouble. That's karma, right then and there, you see. And uh, you know, pardon uh, me. What kind of trouble? <laughs> <laughs> kind well, of trouble? Just That's all the trouble. In other words, all the trouble there is. Because the, the mechanical aspects of the universe, which are immense, uh, they, they always have a perfectly reasonable basis. There's a reasonable basis for everything that's going on in the universe. But it just so happens that the spirit is above that kind of reason. It's not that the spirit is unreasonable in itself, but it's, it's beyond that kind of reason. You know, it's, uh, we say, for instance, in human terms, well, we say, well, the reason she talks like that is because she's a Catholic. Now, you know, from an essential point of view, this is absolutely ridiculous. Of course she talks like that because she's a Catholic. So what? And if she were a Presbyterian, she'd talk like a Presbyterian. Isn't it obvious that this has nothing to do with The essential part of what we are and we know this you know we know this in our hearts that this is so but we we get involved with all this kind of shenanigans and pass the time this way which is okay as long as you don't get mixed up in it in your head yes
1: for me this is really symbolized by key seven because the charioteer is in it in the cube which symbolizes the universe and yet it's above it Mm -hmm. and he has control over everything
0: well, uh, since the charioteer is the innermost self, and since the innermost self is precisely the spirit, uh, I think this is jolly good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> jolly good, Maud. Jolly good.
3: Yes. Um, is there such a thing as uh, social karma? Sure. Uh, karma of society this Sure. I
0: mean uh, to be and once you know once you have a kettle of fish uh, what goes on in the kettle of fish is is everything it's uh, it's all of them together and of course we're as far as our karma is concerned it's it's mass karma individual karma uh, tribal karma and this that and the other and as you can see uh, with you know from an analytical point of view it's perpetuated and by those who perpetuate it. In other words, you have the institutions who uh, insist on perpetuating themselves, and so the thing goes on and on and on. But from a spiritual point of view, we're supposed to look at it for what it is. In other words, a perpetuation of either wisdom or foolishness, as the case may be. You know, headhunting is very popular among headhunters.
3: Well, maybe I should you know turn my question around. Is like, besides <laughs> to like myself in a society of headhunters, yes. or in a country like this, when you uh, practically are in one, you know, here in the United States. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> headhunters, tailhunters, everything else, uh, collectors.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, would there be a. Uh, Working out my personal karma would also involve working out the karma of my society in terms of my position in it. And, uh, well, not
0: necessarily. And so in other words, if you're a compassionate being, you might say to your fellow headhunters, uh, you, I would suggest that you wrote them, you know, if your stuff was published uh, published posthumously so that uh, they couldn't get your head, you know. But uh, in any case, you could influence them. Uh, as a compassionate being if you saw the light you could at least point out some of the errors of their ways but uh, you know it wouldn't be wise to confront them and tell them that day because in that case uh, yeah well I mean historically whenever somebody comes along and knows a little more than the other fellow the first thing that w- everybody wants to do is exterminate them as you well know simply because it's distasteful to hear the truth.
3: So it's a question of what's effective.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, some of the smarter guys have written books and had them published after they died, you know, and then uh, the fat was in the fire, but they were long gone somewhere else, so at least their fat wasn't in the fire.
5: Mm
3: -hmm. What about changes like uh, in in China, for example, where, where you've got all kinds of... Changes in the potentials and polarities of the society—is that some kind of working
0: out on this thing? Well, is isn't this? I mean, currently it's largely the work of one man, isn't it? It's just like Gandhi in India. I mean, if anybody told you that a baby walking around in diapers is going to upset the British government, uh, you'd laugh. If, you know, mm-hmm. you'd say you must be out of your mind. But here's this guy, this puny little guy, walking around in diapers, and he. <laughs> He kicked the british out of india and of course uh, he took the hard way but he did it i mean he you know he was in jail most of the time and so were all of his buddies but uh, they made it work and of course here it's it's not a case of uh, well you should do the same or something like that in other words you have to be very very careful about what kind of a guy you are and what your inner destiny is yeah, sure. to to get away with whatever it is that you're supposed to get away with you know uh, to be merely a follower of gandhi of course is completely asinine from an inner point of view I mean he worked he worked as a political leader and as a political leader he had political followers and this was a kind of a whole set of of circumstances that he was well aware of. And he, of course, he was a brilliant man. So he, he was working in this area, but somebody else, uh, uh, might fall flat on his butt in uh, trying to do the same thing and hate Gandhi, you know? So it's, uh, you know, uh, Mao Zedong, uh, he had a charm life as you probably know. I mean, they were chasing this guy for years and they never caught up with him. And he was undoubtedly just going on the inside all the time in order to avoid, uh, uh, well, execution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was that simple. And he just managed to elude everybody until the time came when he could uh, exert uh, total power in the country.
3: And you had to be very together. Yeah, so, sure. sure.
0: But the thing is that, as far as this system is concerned, uh, the guidance of each individual is strictly a personal matter. I mean, it's an individual matter, and there is no, nobody can say, now, my son, this is what you ought to do, or this kind of jazz. In other words, you're, you're supposed to be guided inwardly. This is uh, all through the tarot and the cabal and everything else. It's emphasized again and again and again that this is what it's all about if you are awakened uh, inwardly well you have plenty of guidance you know what you're supposed to do you get it from inside of yourself and invariably it uh, if it comes from the right direction it's not destructive to to other people it, it it may be more or less constructive but it's not destructive in other words it doesn't go against we'll say the ten commandments or something like that it just doesn't work that way because of the source in other words if you if you are getting your your messages from a source which is completely above the average human level uh you don't have to be involved with fears that you're going to uh, blow the other guy and up or something like that it doesn't work that way Mm -hmm because the are safeguards in this particular system and uh, before you get to yourself you have to go through mercy which is also love that's the fourth center on the tree and when uh, you go through that particular strainer and uh, they take the pebbles out in that uh, when you come out on the other side which is yourself you have nothing to fear really because you you're a purified nature, and uh, this puts you in a different class altogether from, we'll say, the ego trip, which is something we're all very familiar with.
3: The self is victory? Pardon me? The self is victory? But
0: no. It, uh, no, on the tree? No, it's the top. Oh, The yeah, crown no. is the. Uh, so. Yeah.
6: we were talking about being able to get away with things and everybody has their own uh, thing that they can do and it's not necessarily what you can do it's that's right for you and, that's right and it works the other way too some people can't get away with anything And I was thinking about Frank Sinatra uh, his recent experience
0: well, yeah but he's strictly on the ego level I mean he's been on it for years and uh, he's never gotten off it and uh, it's 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 unthinkable that uh, he's anywhere else as far as I'm concerned you know, I mean, uh, when anybody comes on that strong, you may be darn sure that they're on uh, an ego kick. You know, he comes on real strong.
6: He did alienate a whole country, didn't he? Like in about two days. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have any message. He's not. Uh, he's just for Frank Sinatra. I mean, it's all dollars and cents and glory and, and the whole bit. I mean, there's there's nothing about the guy that, uh, that would indicate that. You know, he's a highly advanced spiritual being, at least not in my book. On the contrary, he, he seems to me like, you know, a real ego type. Well,
6: it's pretty obvious anyway that despite his power and despite where he's at and what he's accomplished, he has not been able to create a very good situation for himself because the kinds of problems that he well, has to deal with. Well, you can on the ego early. level.
0: It's impossible. Yeah. You win on one hand lose on the other all the time, you know. The harder you push, uh, the worse it gets because of the resistance.
5: Yeah.
0: You know, there's, there's plenty of resistance. You know, uh, look at Hitler. My God, while he was going strong, he thought he would have conquered the whole world. But uh, gradually the resistance built up. And when it finally got organized, it crushed him. But for a while, you couldn't stop the guy. He was, uh, he was unconquer- unconquerable for a while. But then uh, the resistance got greater and greater and greater. Then it got organized, and it finally just squashed him.
6: Would you have anything to say uh, in relation to why he was able to be so powerful for as long as he was?
0: powerful and wants to be powerful if that's what they want this is the door is open to. I mean our history is full of guys that uh, want to be powerful and became very powerful they might have had to kill a couple of customers along the way but uh, they made it I mean you know uh, if uh, in the world is there's loads of room to be powerful you know you can be powerful in money or in anything else it isn't that difficult all that you have to be is ruthless to be powerful that's all absolutely ruthless and then you're powerful right away I mean you manipulate people you manipulate everything without any uh, thought of the other guy at all and so uh, it works out beautifully
3: a lot of the powerless do that too a lot of the powerless do that too though
0: yeah but i'm I'm talking about somebody who's dedicated to the notion of power and uh, you know it's just constantly building it up more and more and more and uh, if you're powerful enough you can obliterate your enemies which uh, was a, a path that hitler took he actually obliterated his enemies. You know, this is like if you're in business, shooting your competition.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's like business, like
0: <laughs> you know, it's strictly business. Bang! Well, that, now there's no competition from that quarter. A bang over here, and there's none from there. So that's I got a monopoly. monopoly. That's, at, that's describing Nixon's career. Well, but uh, it's, it's it isn't that you know. It may astound people that uh, some of us can become so powerful, but the mechanics of it are not difficult. They really aren't. It's not that hard to understand.
3: No, I was thinking that for a person to become powerful by being ruthless is something more than just being ruthless, because there are powerless people who are ruthless nonetheless. They may have a, a power, well, a very circumscribed They not only have to be
0: ruthless, but they have to be highly intelligent. <laughs> and young's uh, young calls the devil the uh, uh, unregenerate intelligence this is his definition of the devil in other words it's a highly intelligent person uh, who uh, has no concern about his fellow man or humanity or anything else he could care less
3: I wanted to ask you something about the key uh, I mean, the, the spot where the uh, wallet is tied onto the staff is is white and i was curious about that. That's part of the staff or part of the novel.
0: Oh. Well, uh, I don't know why they should be white in at all, but there is. <laughs> in other words, there's a white there's a white streak going all the way up.
3: Yeah, that's a reflection kind of looks like.
0: Yeah, but The sun's in the back, so it isn't very logical. (laughs) No, it isn't. What do you think about that, David?
3: Well,
2: (laughs) it's a very strange anomaly uh, in perspective there anyway. Since uh, given the angle that we see the staff from, we shouldn't see that side of the wallet. And on the very small keys, the wallet has been fixed. And on on the larger keys, it is this way. I don't know
0: stories uh, so, but I it's think just that uh,
2: perspective or the,
0: anyway you know, the, uh the general significance is so portentous that uh, you know we can get into the details but uh, obviously the, the the thing that the, the fool you might say his his wealth is represented by the wand. this is the archetypal world and, uh, and the wallet, uh, it's red, which uh, corresponds to the desire nature. It has the sign of Scorpio on it, it has the eagle on it, it, has the eye, which means to make. And the whole business signifies creative power. This is no question about that. Yeah. yeah. Going
2: back to creative power, which is sort of interesting me in the beginning, is it the there's a strange bulk in the uh, fool's body. If you've drawn it or if you're aware of it and paint it, it, it extends out as if he has a. I I
4: mean the chest here.
2: Yeah, down low. So it's practically like a pregnancy or a tumor or something. And the creative aspect works works through the whole picture, but very interesting. Uh, there's a uh, Negative space camel under his arm, and uh, the camel is gimel, which is re- reproduction. And of course, you combine that with the ego, which is the created uh, sexual. Then uh, there are strange, there are all kinds of references to the number three and the number seven. I think Maude mentioned the, uh, the chariot. So if you count from the side where the sun is, down, you get the seventh peak is directly be- between his legs. If you count upward, it is the third peak between his legs. So you get the Venus concept. And then on his chest, it's very noticeable that there is an arrangement of three circles which form a water triangle, which again, we you be coming pregnancy recently, pregnancy, created
3: Business. They're really spread out flat there. It looks like a, yeah. Like whereas a, down below on the front, it's around the sort of turn or an angle, and so it's, it's sort
2: of telling you something. stick mm-hmm. out and between them is the three
5: flames. Is it by any
4: chance of a slight purposeful distortion or twist in the spine that has anything to do with the one in the uh, depth
5: key?
4: he's kind of turned a little bit
5: odd, too. I never wondered.
2: Well, you got a connection a with Gimel. Gimel is on well, the 13th path. To the high Priestess. And of course, is the number of the Scorpio
0: Key. Well, I think, too, that you have to remember that uh, Olive is, as far as the top of the tree is concerned, is placed up here, which gives it a peculiar feeling all together, the fact that it's up here, there, you know, you've got three keys here, and they they have a special, uh, oh, if you like, vibe, just because they are there. And, and uh, you know, I mean, this uh, this situation where the olive is going this way, and the baith is going this way, and uh, the olive is in between, and this is down here going this way, is, is highly significant as far as each key is concerned. Uh, the life breath, which is represented by the fool and goes down into this, has has a certain quality. But you'll notice that all of these all of these aspects contain the other aspects. You know, they're not they're not separated because nothing is separated. And so it's it's really more helpful to have. Uh, A sort of a mishmash of everything uh, it's it's it leads in the right direction more than if you had we'll say some specific quality that was all by itself Uh, you might you know analytically think that this this thing that was out there was just by itself but you'll notice in the Kabbalah and other worthwhile uh, approaches that nothing is to be taken by itself it's always in association with something else, and in this, the Bina principle, which is here, of course, is represented by the cloak. And this definitely, the root of this fire that's shown here is in in Hocma. So he's he's all involved with this, in spite of the fact that that uh, he's on a a path coming down. used what you were talking about, if you actually follow
2: where the fool would be walking on the path, mm-hmm. he would be walking towards uh, the uh, empress and the high priestess, mm-hmm. which again gives you this reproductive
0: yeah, lady thing. Yeah.
2: And then there's the factor of the full numeration of Aleph, which is 111, which gives you three again. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you... It is an ox or a bull, and the ox or bull is ruled by Venus. Yeah. So again, he keeps weaving back, yeah. back
0: into that. I think it's I think it's helpful to to understand that uh, what starts out very simply becomes complicated in the very short order. In other words, you have you have really only three things going in the beginning. You have one thing which is uh, from uh, point of view of analysis is irreducible and uh, Ineffable and in no way can be described and that's rather typical of Kether. It's a point and the point doesn't tell us very much, but the minute that the point Evolves and starts to express itself then it gets into complexity and uh, but before it gets into complexity we know from such helpful symbols as the yang-yin that it represents a simple relationship between energy and substance which which in terms of ourselves means the fulfillment of our lives in other words we only fulfill ourselves in terms of what is shown here on the tree as male and female or if you like energy and substance and so on but this is the this is the uh... You might say the stage in terms of livingness in which we fulfill ourselves we there's no other stage it's just this and uh, we're not going somewhere where there's some fancy business that's different from this Uh, we're going to find ourselves you might say in the relationships that are just shown at the top of the tree that's where it's at the consciousness and the energy and the substance represent something in ourselves which is eternal and uh, as we work ourselves out we're going to find that uh, this is you might say the primal scene of what we are and then there are countless details which more or less fill in this picture but uh, the essential thing we should never lose sight of because we can get awful lost in in all the details, if we forget, yes.
4: If that stage isn't big enough for us,
0: that's out of uh, you know some place to, to play and uh, to live and so on and so forth. We're not going to run out of of uh, the place or the means and so on and so forth. These are always going to be available. But uh, as I say, as we go. Uh, wandering happily through the Tarot and the Kabbalah, if we remember that we can always go back home to the top of the tree, it's, it's, it's a very useful thing for us. Because all through the Tarot, there are polarities. Uh, you know, there are loads of polarities in, in this key uh, as well as the other keys. but lots of the others are much more clearly expressed. But you have all kinds of contrasts in this key. Classic element which is the ignorance the darkness of the outer cloak is is in direct contrast to the spiritual aspect that is shown here which is in the light everything is quite well understood and, and uh, in the light we know exactly what's going on out here in the universe we don't know what's going on see that that kind of contrast we have ups and downs and uh, we've got the spiritual sun and we have the earth we have all kinds of things that uh, are pretty much uh, contrasted in this particular case of course we know that from the authors of the piece we know that the that the fool comes from another life experience and is is in, is embarking on a new one and this is Quite interesting as far as the, as the revolution of the tarot is concerned. As we go through the tarot again and again and again, each time we reach a higher level. And each time we, we, we reach a level of new experiences, which are completely new. They haven't anything to do with the old at all. But the old are the foundation for the new. And it's, uh, it's a case of uh, crawling out of the sea, onto the dry land. It really is which is very much the idea of uh, the moon key. You just, uh, what seemed to you important five years ago or 10 years ago is of no consequence in your life. The drama of your life is being lived on a completely different level. That's what I'm talking about. And this goes on and on and on. And each time that we get to a new level, we're just like this. In other words, it's completely new and uh, it seems as though, you know, it's kind of a, a challenge. It looks as though we might just step into the abyss, but it doesn't work out that way. Well, of course, if you put the, uh, which the Kabbalists do, if you put the the tree in a circular fashion, well, then the fool becomes very amusing because He can't fall at all. In other words, he's held—he's held by uh, centripetal force to the center. In other words, if you put all these things, uh, one ring inside of the other, and you put the fool in (coughs) there, he's held in a certain position with his head toward the center. Which, see, the sun in this—this corresponds to Kether. This thing here corresponds to Kether, just as you see there. Well, when when you when this is the innermost circle, and that's the next circle, and that's the next circle, and you get a big bullseye thing, well, then he's in a, in a very interesting relationship because he isn't going anywhere at all. And the, the cliff doesn't mean anything when you see it in that relationship. It's just, you might say, his outside, which is like our universe. That's our outside. And that's his outside, too. He doesn't have to worry about anything. And we don't either. We do, but that's a a compulsive uh, proposition. It's a combination of mostly karma, and then, of course, the karma engenders compulsion. And we think we have to do this, that, and the other thing, and, uh, (coughs) and therefore we do it. we don't uh, for reasons best known to ourselves we do not discriminate as to what's going on I mean I'm just speaking generally so it just you know it gets thicker and thicker
4: effort I ever put in it. I've lost the sense of pressure. Totally. I said, that doesn't mean you
0: can be lazy. It's work. And I said, I've lost all sense of pressure. Yeah. I
5: said, that's worth the whole
4: thing to me. And it is.
0: Well, the, in contrast to that, in a sort of a fun way, we had, we had in our group here for many years, we had a, a chap who applied himself and, uh, after applying himself for X number of years he said uh, well uh, he said uh, this stuff is absolutely useless <laughs> <laughs> he said now I think I can uh, you know I think I can I can show you the right way uh, and you know and so he wrote a lot of books and uh, uh, they were all about, you know, how to travel in your astral body if you didn't have a fort and all this kind of stuff, uh, which, is, which is okay, okay. But uh, he completely missed the point of what was going on in this thing, even though, presumably, he had spent a lot of time with it.
4: Sounds like Gofield. He can go places.
0: Well, I didn't mention any names. No, you, I can, you, know, you, can, <laughs> you can draw your own conclusions.
4: <laughs>
3: I, had, uh, I was thinking about where this pressure comes from. It, must, it obviously must come from the world. From no, it actually living.
0: comes from your innermost self.
3: Well, what I was thinking was, it seems like a lot of times when I'm under pressure, it's because I've set up my world to put me under pressure. I've run a trip on myself so that I'll come under pressure to make sure that I'll get something done or, you know, yeah, some kind of trip but like basically what I'm
0: talking about is that the, the, the self, your self, puts you into a pressure situation so that you'll get out of it, mm-hmm. and the only way you'll get out of it is to think your way out of it. You'll never get out any other way. In other words, you have to be illumined about the situation, otherwise it'll be a repetitive situation. You'll just do it over and over and over again. Just like Key 15. Yeah, you know. yeah so it's actually the adversary which is the pressure comes from within yourself and it's, it's actually trying to teach you uh to discriminate upon what is going on which is uh absolutely essential you know you have to and of course it's involved with mirth too because you have to see yourself as a kind of a funny guy in the first place uh, before uh you uh, would do that you know, if you take yourself very, very seriously, well then, uh, you know, uh, you can get into all kinds of fascinating corners, you know, about yourself. You know, that, uh, uh, well, this this guy did this and this and this and this. You know,
6: I have a question about what you're saying.
0: You know, and <laughs> uh, and the conditions were like this and so on and so forth. You know. And it was always something, something else. It was never you. You, know. mm-hmm. you never had anything to do with it. It was always, well, uh, he screwed me, uh, or uh, the conditions were completely wrong, and I didn't know it at the time, and I got myself in up to here. Blah 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 blah. That's a yeah.
3: game of wooden leg. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got this wooden leg. You know, I you can't expect me to do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the last. You know, the last place you would turn for an explanation should be the first place. And the only way that you can come to this is through a more or less mirthful approach. You have to expect, uh, when you're dealing with self, you, yourself, you have to expect to find a fool somewhere in there, you know, uh, a real fool. And that's what you find, invariably, <coughs> yeah.
6: My question now has to do with exactly what you're talking about. When you you go to make a decision or something you need to think carefully about, you know, some decision to be made, then you you do this thing that some people call meditate, right? And one thing you're supposed to do is not be involved in the decision. I mean, have this mirthful aspect you're talking about so that you can be free to let, like, things work in your mind and and you need, right? I mean, that's the idea. So you're not attached. Isn't that why you're talking about this mirthful, non-heavy approach? But anyway, my question is that I do that, you know. I say, well, you know, I, I, I convince myself that I'm a funny person. I convince myself, you know, that, that it's all part of this uh, kind of, you know, play that we're in. And then what I end up saying is, well, it doesn't make any difference, you know, what my decision is. It doesn't make any difference. It's not important.
0: Well, mind you, uh, whenever whenever anybody makes a statement, it's made on a certain level. You, you know, I mean, it's made. For the time, it's made for the circumstances and everything else. It's not, it's not valid on all levels, and it's not valid in all times. You know that as well as I do. In other words, in an absolute sense, uh, uh, you can take a, a very strange view of life in general. Uh, in, a, in a relative sense, you can. not So it just depends on you know, where you are and what you're trying to do and everything else. In other words, if you, let's say that you're involved in business, as I am. Well, it's very easy for me to see that even though there's a lot of business that bores me, the reason that I do it is because I want to support a whole lot of things that I like that are not important either, but I want to support them anyway. So I suffer this to support that, but essentially it's just... It's just a game. I mean, it doesn't, there's no importance in it. It doesn't signify anything. It's just the way I want to play that particular game. But the main thing is to be aware of it so that you don't, uh, you don't think that you're, you know, that you're caught up in it in some way, uh, that you're locked in or something of that sort.
6: However, sometimes you're involved in decisions that affect other people that you're responsible for. And see, right away, that's a trip that's laid on you. You have responsibility then.
0: Well, what are you talking about, children? or For example. Yeah, well, you should, of course you have a responsibility with children. Uh, and you took on the responsibility to children because obviously your inner self wanted you to have that responsibility. It's something you damn well needed. In other words, this see. is a, a sure cure for selfishness, isn't it? It's, it opens you up to other people besides yourself in other words your kids you have to be giving with your kids i mean you either do or you don't you have to be generous about a family don't you Uh, i mean you uh, i'm just saying ideally some people aren't but i mean this is what the idea is that it opens you up instead of being just me myself and i you're involved with an immediate family and and all the Uh, all the connections and everything are that go on in a family this is a different kind of life altogether and then presumably uh, as they say in india when you get through the family thing you can concern yourself with even wider relationships than family relationships But at least you've got to start you're not just thinking about yourself all the time whereas if you don't get involved in family and you're a certain type of person you can get completely wrapped up in yourself, and then you got very queer. You know, extremely mm-hmm. queer. That's true. Because you've met, you've met this kind of queer person, and of course we all have. And it's a kind of a sad situation compared with what people can be. You know, there's... Uh... Yes, David? Well,
2: just to complicate the matter, the children have also chosen you, or whoever it is. Involved, so they've chosen a particular type of parent.
0: Oh, sure, it's sure. not it's just
7: like a, sure. The Norris says the same thing. In this book I've been reading on uh, death, it's called the Book of Death and Spirit and Hindu Spiritism. It says exactly the same thing that a, a, a child, which is a spirit in itself, though its flesh is still infant, still has decided to take you on as a parent, right? <laughs> so, you <gotta laughs> so, you're actually. Right,
3: the contract.
2: Right, you right. So you don't have to feel that responsible in one sense. It's not just you choosing the
7: child, it's also the child A lot of times, you know. it, what he says is that, is that uh, it's to help the parents have children. The children are there to educate
0: the parent. The because their past experiences Well, uh, being a parent by itself. being a parent myself, my first observation about children has been that um, they do most of their growing all by themselves, and that, uh, (laughs) sure, they need a little bit of help, but as far as telling them how to grow up or something like that, that's ridiculous. They grow up uh, pretty much on their own, and they seem to have the, at least uh, my observation is that they seem to have... uh, the innate ability to uh, just take the whole thing on, uh, incredible as it is. I mean, it's unbelievable that a child can encompass what they have to encompass. To me, it's it's tremendous what they do. I don't know how they do it, as a matter of fact, but they do it. You did it. Yeah, but uh, when I look back on it, I can't believe it, and I can't believe uh, how it works at all. You know, because it's it's to me, it's a great hassle to be a child.
2: Oh, it's the worst.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, it's it's just like a plant pushing up through hard earth, you know, and and just going like this, and just keep going and going and going and going and going. And uh, to me, that's that's very fascinating. And of course, I you know I hold to the view that. Uh, most of the growing up is done by themselves, and that they're like plants in the sense that if you monkey with plants too much, you'll kill them. They just won't, they won't hack it if you
2: One of the problems with that is that other people are messing at the same time. Oh, if you sure. don't mess, they get the other person's Oh, mess. my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I say, uh, when we get well, to this have point, my mess
0: but when it. we get to this point where we are now, and we begin to look back at the whole mess, uh, we wonder how in the heck we ever got to this point, which is, you know, a miracle in itself. The fact that we could emerge from all the stupidities and all the follies and all the nonsense that we've been exposed to and told over and over and over again until we could scream that these were realities. This is what's going on, chum. Get with it, you know, so on so The fact that we could get through all this crap is a miracle, you know, it's a miracle. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it, yes. <laughs> if you've
4: gotten through it. Uh, to go back, just least back to the uh, sense of humor thing, I told somebody today, and I, I do believe this, it's very true, that if you have a real deep working sense of humor, not just a joke, ha-ha, huh, but a real sense of humor, the sense of the ludicrous, I have never yet seen that type of person beating their breasts and saying, why did this have to happen <laughs> to me? I've never
3: seen that in the one person. Yeah. Which I think tells us. So. That's true. Yeah. Put the pattern on the trussle board, so it takes care
0: of that. <laughs> 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 yes, you. <laughs> um,
3: I was just thinking that uh, aside from the kind of contract between the parent and the child, like every encounter that we have with other people has this kind of contractual aspect. Oh
0: yeah. You
3: know, this is this is the karmic thing. Yeah. Working out not just between parents and children, but between you and me.
0: Yeah. Well, of course, uh, uh, it's very. I think it's very helpful if we if we realize that there is such a thing as karma, because as whether it's true or false is immaterial. It's, it's such a helpful it's such a helpful way of looking at things that uh, we mm-hmm. should embrace it anyway you know whether it is true or false doesn't make too much difference for the simple reason that it teaches us to look below the surface in any case and uh, uh, not to get not to get too excited you know uh, our tendency is, is is very simply to think that for instance if we embark on something like the Tarot or the Kabbalah or something like that 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 this is going to uh, make our life easier in some way or other you know uh, it does and it doesn't it makes it easier in the sense that that we learn how to handle the good and the bad and the indifferent that's that's how it makes it easier which is a great deal but we are still subject to the good bad and indifferent. i mean we don't get out of it i mean this is This is sort of standard equipment uh, Mm -hmm. among people who know what's going on. Is that you can't change conditions uh, just like that, Mm -hmm. you know. But what you can do is that you can understand conditions, Mm -hmm. and when you understand them, it takes a lot of the sting out right then and there.
3: It's like the difference between Aikido and (coughs) pratfall, or or, uh, Tai Chi and and, uh. yeah.
0: Drunk, and then another thing too, which is an old saw as far as philosophy is concerned, that philosophy anticipates the event. I mean, this is part of philosophy to anticipate the event. In other words, to see it as a possibility. Well, when you see it as a possibility and it happens, uh, it doesn't surprise you. It doesn't catch you uh, unaware, you know, and, and give you a lot of trouble. You you can see that uh, it's in the cards, as the saying goes. And that's philosophy Mm -hmm. in in other words if if you're living in a world of fools and you think that you're not going to be hurt by foolishness there's something wrong with your head
5: Mm
0: -hmm. you know it's bound to get to you you can't you can't get away from it if you live in that kind of a world and of course we do so we you know uh, we in a world where everybody is ripping everybody else off, which is the kind of a world we live in, uh, we, ex- we must expect to get ripped off. Mm-hmm. And we are ripped off, all of us. We know that, you see. But uh, then we can say, well, uh, it's that kind of a world, now what am I gonna do about it? And uh, if I wanna make a protest, I can, it's my privilege to make a protest. Or if I have any suggestions, That's my privilege. If I want to start a movement, if I feel that I'm going to be uh, the guy to change the whole thing, that's your privilege too, depending on how you feel about it. But uh, as Shaw said, you know, when you're living in a madhouse, uh, look out for the paranoids. You know, he's right. He's right. You've got to be careful. You just have to be careful. You have to be, you know, you have to be aware of what's going on.
3: I uh, remembered something else that he said about children and uh, not wanting to let your children getting into somebody else's mess. But uh, if they elect to make that kind of a contract, now are they competent to do that or not? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, well, I don't know how that how that lies, you know, the protective yeah, role you, of the just, parent. Just
0: for for example, you know that it's it's the law here that you have to chen, you mm-hmm. have to send your children to school. Mm-hmm. So that's the law. So the minute you send them to school for years and years and years, uh, what's going to happen to them? You well the choose same thing school. school Pardon me? You have the,
2: the right to choose the school. If you got the right well of the uh, not if it's a
0: public school anyway. I didn't have the means so I sent them to school well now if they now my kids would be bussed around you know
2: there are free schools <laughs> well relatively free schools yeah oh eighty dollars a month or something per child I don't know, or exchange of some some services yeah you know, I'm
0: talking about the, the general run you know yeah. like uh, the gal works with me her kids live two blocks on the wrong side of Castro. So they're bused from 24th and Castro down to Chinatown. And they go to, uh, what's his name, you know, this one over here. Uh, It's got an American name, but it's a Chinese school. Uh, And they are four blocks from the local school, you know. This, This kind of stuff. And of course, as far as the ideas that the kids are exposed to, I can vouch for the fact that once they're in the school, they're exposed to whatever ideas are being presented in the school. This is something I'm very familiar with because I was in quite a few of them. And, uh, you know, their influence and so on and so forth. It's, it's, as I say, it's, it's a miracle that we're here. <laughs> that we've emerged. <laughs> you
7: have a terrible educational system. Me? But do have a terrible educational system because you know, like I, I, you know, I made pretty good grades when I was in school. All through high school, I made A's and B's to honor rules and all this. And I, you know, when I got out of school, I just said, no, I can go on to college with a scholarship. But if I have to keep learning what I'm learning, it's not, it's going to just degrade me. I didn't learn anything until I just you know, quit school to school.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was forced it because I. I had to I had to work all the time I was going to school, so at least I was learning something. <laughs> <You're
5: right. laughs>
0: I was, you know, I, I really. I had responsibilities, and uh, uh, I, I I was gaining practical experience. And, you know I've been living over it ever since, but I uh, some things that I had in school, for example, I had six years of French and uh, which was uh, you know it's like having a permanent toothache and so uh, at the end of six years of French I was reading Racine and I was uh, of course reading uh, 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 who was the other guy used to drive me crazy but anyway there was another one and all these things were absolutely hopelessly uninteresting to me But I had to do them, you know. I needed the points, and I was told this is what you do, and so I did it. Well, I give you my word of honor that uh, uh, ever since I left school, I have never used my French at all. Never. Not in the the slightest. I've never read anything in French. I haven't any French friends. And I couldn't say boo to a goose in French today.
3: You poisoned them all like the plague. But, uh, you know, say la vie. That's the
2: the way it is. Didn't you run into tarot
0: in school? Well, that had, that really, uh, Columbia, uh, might have been, you might just as well have said, well, didn't you run into tarot because you were living in New York? Because it was that sort of thing, really. It wasn't... uh, was a teacher though at columbia yeah he, he was a teacher at columbia he was also a, a student of paul case so i'm not saying that uh there isn't such a thing as manifest destiny david I you know i'm not trying to get out of that but as far as columbia is concerned it could well have been that uh, professor tassen uh who was the only guy in new york who was teaching the tarot uh could have i could have become involved with him in some other way because i was in theosophy and and somebody as a matter of fact it was because of my activities in theosophy that i got involved in the tower in the first place really so it was a theosophical connection really that uh, brought it about more than anything else but i won't deny that uh, strange things happen. No, I won't do that. That would be uh, a lie that I wouldn't subscribe to. Yes.
3: Still kind of putting school in perspective like we were doing. Uh, I didn't make such very good grades, but sort of middling grades, which meant that I had time and energy to learn things.
0: Well, I spent, I give you my word of honor that when I was going to Columbia, I was spending most of my energy and things i was interested in that i wasn't i I wasn't studying in school at (laughs) all exactly it's true and uh, you know i was beating my brains out in directions that had absolutely nothing to do with the curriculum and the the school uh had nothing to do with it at all i mean definitely they weren't promoting it or anything else i was interested in it so i did it on my own and uh Probably if I had spent as much time on my studies, I'd have been uh, a Rhodes Scholar or something like that. But, uh, I mean, I just went ahead and and read what I damn well pleased, and uh, that was that. And, you know, sort of gave lip service to the university.
2: It's nice that the fool is over uh, justice, which is education. Yeah.
0: You know, they're, they're but, I mean, you know, uh, we all know what's going on, and we all know that... Uh, an educational institution is exactly that. And, uh, it, it, um, uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things like, uh, let's say mass produced automobiles. You know, if you want to get a car for, we'll say under $5,000, you've got to mass produce the damn things. And when you do that, you get into a lot of trouble right off the reel. Because you know that they're not going to be given that that uh, extra touch of care that would go into a Really fancy handmade job, you know, they just they just don't take the time they slap them together and, But you can still get one for under five thousand dollars and that's the way it is with the education You get a kind of an education, you know It's 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 it has some value. You know? It's a kind of an education, but of course from the point of view of the tarot and the Kabbalah, it's a joke. It's a joke because it's not sufficiently tied to reality. You know, education should be, and ed- an education, as far as this is concerned, is something that involves uh, the immediacy of life at every point. See? In other words, you can go, you can get as theoretical as you please, but you have to say, and this refers to this and back and forth and this gives you the mastery of how to bake a cake and how to do this and everything else this theory brings you to mastery in this and this and this and this and not not just study abstractions over here with no uh, uh, no manipulations on the other side now this is this is ridiculous because there' as far as as far as the exercise of the mind is concerned uh you have such things as music, for instance, which you can really exercise your mind in music, as you well know, and art, you see. And now they're coming to uh, pretty much teaching music and art as part of the curriculum. You know, this is going to be more and more so. As the Greeks did. But when I went to school, forget it, man. You know, forget it. I mean, you, can, God, you get into harmony and all this stuff, and you can beat your brains out with this. You know, it's very intricate, and, and it's, it's super. You know, when you get all through, you can do something. But uh, uh, the only thing I really learned <laughs> when I was in boarding school was manual training, and that's, <laughs> that's something I use every week. <laughs> you know. The other stuff doesn't do me much good on the weekends. I didn't learn how to garden, you know. I didn't learn anything about plants. I didn't know how to milk a cow or how to paint a wall or how to do anything, you know, except manual training. I did learn how to saw wood and how to use a square, you know, and a few other habits. And since I've been married, I've been using this all the time <laughs> and none of the other stuff, you know. Yes, David
2: well, I have a kind of theory that we don't aren't doing what we're doing really. That we're doing something, and we think that's important, but the, all the other things around it are really the important thing that's happening. Yeah. So, like going to school, you know, for example, it, it may seem like that's what we're going to school for, but there's this a whole vast yeah. occurrence going on in group relationships and, and everything that and bits of information that are being fed in in situations which we're dealing with, which is not the ostensible work that we're doing, but it is the real work that we're doing.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
4: You mean, the peripheral Well, right that's a, a, a yeah,
0: place, really. but please don't don't give that priceless thought to the educational system. <laughs> Keep it a secret there, I,
2: I think they know it. That's what they're afraid of,
7: somebody yeah. finding it out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. You
7: know, but, this, this is, what, this is what, I, what I can understand, okay, you can go to school. And, okay, I tried, uh, I'm into music, I'm a writer, composer, I've been in music since I was three years old my generations for generations. Okay, I tried to get some scholarships into some uh, music conservatories and uh, these colleges. And they says uh, that I had, that my my family standing wasn't, wasn't belonging to this, to this ethnic, you know, like to a religious background. I wasn't Catholic, Jewish, or I wasn't into this political structure. My parents had no affiliation with this and that. And, it really, and it's really a joke th- the way that our country, and, and basically our country is the only thing I can speak for, is our educational system is so screwed up. I don't see why the politicians or, or the people in control now aren't doing something about that. It seems like to me that everybody in school was like sheep in a flock, and that some people sit up here in the, in the, in the big uh, government and said, well, we'll just teach them how to make money, and we'll control
0: well, they don't even teach you that.
7: I mean, you know, you go and you learn You learn your basic things, mathematics, you know, you learn English, and basically that's all they teach you. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I agree, I agree. But uh, uh, I, I personally, I've had the good fortune of, of, uh, of meeting people who have been educated in practically the opposite way from our system. And one fellow I knew who was... Uh, came from a very wealthy French family. He never went to school, uh, you know, a regular school, uh, until he went to college. And prior to the time that he went to college, he had a tutor. And what they did was that they went to all the industries in France and studied what was going on in the industries and how (laughs) it was done. You know, he learned how to do it rather than just look at it he had to go and learn the technique and the mathematics of it and the this and that and the other well then then he went to college and uh, he graduated from college uh, before he was 20 he uh, was he had his doctorate in chemistry and uh, he was also a very very fine mathematician and the first job that he had when he came over the United States was designing propellers for the Cramp shipbuilding company in Philadelphia, in other words, uh, which was a pretty heavy deal because they, they come kind of high, you know, but I mean, he had an extremely responsible job and then he finally wound up as a consulting chemist for DuPont. But the point was, as he explained it to me that. By the time he got into formal education, he had such a tremendous <laughs> practical background that it was just duck soup for him. In other words, uh, you know, he, he really knew what it was all about. Yeah.
3: It seems to me that uh, educational institutions are a part of the sort of a failure filter of the society, at least in this society. It sort of uh, takes those who are predefined as failures and, you know, gives them all this kind of, pressure to make sure that they that they will turn out so convinces them that indeed that's who and what they are
0: yeah well you know in England it's a it's a different scheme altogether there's a uh, on the what would be the high school level here they have a weeding out process in England Uh, are you familiar with it and what happens is that uh, you either make it or you don't make it and if you don't make it it's very hard to get back into uh, education at all. In other words, you can't get into higher education unless you've done something pretty uh, fantastic before you get out of high school, which is quite different from here. And if you if you don't cut the mustard, then you go into a trade and that's where you stay in England. I mean, you stay there for the rest of your life unless you're an unusual sort of character, you know
3: so it's even more rigid in a way. Yeah, yeah.
5: It's well, also more
2: practical. There are three zeros in the, in the pool key. Good. I mean, with the, counting for two zeros in the pool itself on that line and the, the zero is uh, the form, the oval is the form of the akasha, which is the mother substance. So get back to that creative
1: mother. Yeah. Your mouth makes an oh, O when you look foolish. <laughs> <laughs> no, not. That's good for you. It's okay.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's a very. What is those Hebrew uh,
3: letter right there? What
0: is that? It's a very graphic art. Olive? You mean this one? Yeah,
7: that's olive. That's
0: the initial letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Really? The initial letter. Is it called olive.
7: Olive.
0: Yeah, it's like the Greek Greek alpha. In fact, they're you know they're very very close as far as olive alpha. They're like this, you know like they have in Greek, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, where we have uh, uh, olive base, gemel, dalet. You see, they're very, very close. Yeah.
2: I was just noticing as you were doing that, but lamed, or l, which would be lamed, is right next to the olive, which is the ox. So the the education and the uh, ox code is working like that.
0: Yeah. And of course, this and in the Kabbalah is, is one of the most popular names of the Lord, of God, is Olaf and Laman.
2: Reversed.
0: Yeah, El. Yeah. Or, you know, i mean, I'm reading Hebrew-wise, this one. Yeah, it would be Olaf and then Laman, yeah.
6: Um, I just wanted to make one observation about the full key and the, the symbols on his cloak. you know, his clothes or what he is, what you can see, what what can I look at to see what the Fu is? And then the, the highest symbol the first symbol on his clothes is the one on his left shoulder which is the sun and the moon which you know is like the two pillars of the tree of life and then you may say well the sun and the moon you know is like the ancient work of the philosopher's stone integrating the two parts of your personality how do i do that what can i look at and you look at the rest of the clothes and you see all the mechanisms of what getting the sun and the moon business together really is about and, and sort of like the, the two prominent symbols are the basic idea of the work of the sun and the moon. And then the
2: rest of the symbols are all the parts of this machinery that you have to work with as keys. So that's, uh, that's interesting in relationship to the which can, continues right over from there. So it's like that's an explanation or a development of some name
5: form, of God. Of form
0: of. the Mr. Gutsby, would you like to uh, Join us. lot to say about it. Spensky and Nickel and Nuraj and a whole bunch of them. But apparently there was a guy named Dunn who was quite a hot shot on the subject. Of That one? Oh, well, the one I to Yeah, well, that's there. from Sailingman's History of Magic, yeah. uh, which is a very interesting book. Yeah, was it uh, was playing? Playing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's literally true that we're in such a, uh, you might say, primitive state of knowledge, I'm speaking generally as far as, well, the West is concerned. In fact, the whole world is concerned. We're, we have a long way to go in terms of uh, education of the right kind, and uh, in, especially in the psychological area. So those of us who who make the effort, of course, um, gained uh, a tremendous amount of advantages in terms of our immediate selves, you know. We can't do very much for, uh, as you know, uh, analysis sometimes is helpful for the other person, but it isn't always helpful if you tell the other fellow what's the matter with him or something like that as a, it's not always the greatest idea in the world and and sometimes it's like water on a duck but uh, in terms of our own welfare it's of utmost importance to you and to me insofar as we can give this kind of work time and energy to pursue it because it appears that this is what it's all about in other words this is what life is all about is uh emerging from rather dismal states of consciousness into something better and it can be pretty dismal as we all know to be uh, to be locked into uh, the everyday world in the heavy sense of the everyday world is very very sad and uh, this very definitely, this is one way out, there are other ways, but this is surely one way out of that kind of business. And it uses, of course, the analytical method. And eventually, uh, having analyzed ourselves in terms of what's going on, we we get to, again, we get to a more creative level where we, we don't have to concern ourselves so much with everyday relationships that we can devote more of our energies to uh, that part of our career, which is uh, an essential feature of ourselves. See, we, you know, it's very hard for us in the everyday, in the everyday world, to, to really get into an area of self-expression, which is uh, you might say on a high level. We can always pound salt you know that's easy but uh, I was speaking rather that uh, this problem of self-expression uh, it does is, is not my telling you or somebody telling you this is what you're supposed to do but it's a case of finding out for yourself and then doing something about it and it it isn't easy and it's rather a time-consuming process and it's a lot like the hindu idea of not this and not that but ultimately we can find the area that uh, we can move in and the acid test as i've said many times is that you can work in this area day after day after day and year after year and be completely happy in this particular work that you're doing that's the test you, you know, uh, this is in contrast to most of the compromises that we make in the everyday world. Uh, if we're going to live in, uh, in the United States of America, we have to make compromises. The way we can, one way anyway, that we can straighten ourselves out and that is that we can think of ourselves sort of like uh, departmentalized and that We do a certain amount in order to sustain ourselves in this society. In other words, we give a certain amount, we get a certain amount, and that sustains us. But beyond that, we're our own boss. And it it gets kind of amusing at times that we think that we need a whole lot of things to sustain us, which of course we don't need. So that's a kind of joke, which is an ongoing, joke for all of us Uh, you know and as long as we know it's a joke well then it remains a joke it doesn't get serious Uh, it takes very little to sustain us and uh, and then of course this gives us an opportunity to pursue more important things as far as ourselves are concerned but we as i say we make compromises and so we we get the car and we we get the house and we do this and we do that and the other, but we have to always in our heads we always have to remember that this is this is a a conscious compromise on our part that takes the sting out of it because then it becomes a joke. We say, well, you So know,
1: it's what? your choice. Then. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm damn
0: fool enough to go for all this. Yeah. I'm a damn fool and as far as uh, this particular thing is concerned. Okay, so I'm crazy, but that's the way I am, and uh, I can see it. And so this this takes the sting out.
6: Does that make it easier when the fender gets banged up in your car? Oh yeah,
0: sure it does. Well, it's you know it's like the old saying: uh, if you never go, if you live in a land where there are no automobiles, you'll never die in an automobile accident. That's the way it works. You may fall in the bathtub or fall off a horse, but you'll never be killed in an automobile accident. I think that one of the greatest bones in this whole affair is that if you can see what's going on, that's half the battle right there. It's when you're unconscious that it hurts the most. You know, when you're a kid, you think that it's all happening to you and none of this is happening to anybody else. We've talked about that before, you know. And that's a miserable way to feel. It really is. Once you realize that you're, uh, you know, a Slob among a, a billion or three billion other Slobs, where life becomes uh, immediately bearable. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's sort of like learning to ice skate. When everybody's learning to ice skate and everybody's taking pratfalls and banging themselves in the head and everything else, well then it becomes a comic scene. And uh, that's just exactly the kind of a scene that we're in, including the President of the United States taking a pratfall, you know. Now, you know perfectly well that, that uh, Nixon, uh, for example, he, he didn't want to take a pratfall. Nobody does he didn't want to embarrass himself we know uh, we know enough about human nature to know that and nobody wants to do this but it happens every day of the week it happens to everybody you me and everybody else we can't avoid it but when you're young you think it's just you and you feel pretty miserable about it but when you get older and you see the whole world falling on their butts uh, you know, you say, "Well,
5: <laughs> what a picture!" <laughs> you know, everybody.
3: why everybody did it in
5: ice cream. You
0: know, and uh, you know, and so when the fellow points to you and says, "You," you know, then you go, "You." Like, you know, like the Marx Brothers. You know, say, you know, he goes, "You," and then you go, "You." <laughs> And what's he going to say? <laughs> because it's true. In other words, everybody's complaining about what they've chosen for themselves. It's a, the total of everything that we've chosen for ourselves is what we've got. <laughs>
1: You know, Jason, I was wondering, this reminds me of something you said before about uh, you don't want to confront somebody with something, but it might be good to point it out to them. And um, I was thinking of a dear friend of mine who is a very judgmental person and is always complaining about circumstances and and really has trouble seeing any responsibility that she has for her life, you know, and um, I wish there was something I could do you have any suggestions?
0: I'm afraid not, because uh, uh, sooner or later, I mean, uh, it, I don't know how much intelligence this, this friend of yours has, but, but sooner or later, she's either going to get tired of this way of being, you know, or she isn't. I mean, as a kid, but as far as, you can live a whole lifetime this way, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, again, it's like water on a duck. It may work and it may not work. It's not gonna hurt yeah, her it to point something out. It yeah. isn't gonna hurt her. And it is, but don't expect what I'm trying to tell you because, uh, you know, uh, we're friends. Don't don't expect anything,
5: mm-hmm.
0: you know.
4: Least of all appreciation. Well,
0: don't expect anything. Yeah, and, in other words, you can say, you know, it's you can put it out there you can lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink and you can say look sweetie uh, did you ever think of this or this or this and the reaction is something only god knows what's going to happen but don't get involved in that in other words don't expect anything <laughs> uh-huh.
5: you know?
6: there's also uh-huh. ways to present things to people you know where you don't incur that that necessity for a reaction you can just say you know i you know i just want to say this and, and you can do it in such a way that that she won't well, hit you i'm very for diplomatic
1: it. she Probably loves she me won't. very much
5: but <laughs> i don't know sometimes i get really frustrated <laughs>
0: Well, I know that uh, just as they say, you know, you can you can talk, you can try to persuade, and everything else. In some cases, it'll be fantastic what will happen, and in other cases, you can talk till you're blue in the face, and nothing will happen. you have to be prepared for either of, yeah. either you know either result and for heaven's sake you know don't get yourself involved in it because uh, that won't work either you know because then you could lose lose a friend which is kind of ridiculous i i you know looking around at just some of the very dear friends i've had who are difficult people and and still very very good friends and Hell, they died difficult people, you know. (laughs) you love them anyway. Well, sure. I mean, you know, that's... When you're friends with somebody, you make a lot of... You should make a lot of allowances because, hell, you're not perfect either. You know, nobody's perfect. So you put up with a whole bunch of nonsense, but that really doesn't disturb the friendship. But I'm just telling you that in my own experience, I've... I, I'm thinking one gal in particular, and she she said to me one time, uh, she, she said, you know, my life just seems to be one damn thing after the other, you know, it's, it's rough. And I said, I know it's rough. And she said, well, do you think it'll ever stop? And I said, well, frankly, no, you know, as long as you <laughs> ask me. I don't think so. I think it's going to keep right on the way it is. She said, oh. I mean, it wasn't any surprise to her. <laughs> she said, oh. She said,
5: oh, oh.
0: You know, as though, yeah, that's pretty much the way I expected this to be, too. And that's the way it was. She was almost always in a state, and uh, it stayed that way right up until she died. She died very young, but uh, it never let up. Of course, it was herself. It was, you know. She
1: never got tired of it, huh?
0: No.
6: You were answering for her? You were answering... Uh, coming from where she was at? Your answer of it was going to continue this way came from the standpoint for her it is going to continue this way, but not necessarily for everyone?
0: Well, I was just answering her honestly. I could see that, I mean, I knew what kind of a person she was, and and she was uh, very, as they say now, they say very masochistic. And so uh, as long as she persisted in this way of living, what she was doing every day of her life, and it... Her, this had become habitual for her, as long as she persisted in this and there was every evidence that she would, <laughs> because there was nothing to stop her. You didn't
6: see any way out
5: for her.
0: No, <laughs> no. Because she enjoyed that, you see, this was her way of
5: she liked the game. Being
0: fulfilled. Well, I mean, you know, that's what a masochist is, is somebody enjoys being miserable and creates a life situation where they can they can depend on being miserable. They're going to get it all the time. And you know, they, I mean, uh, the tr- classically they set up a they set up a, a sort of a little drama that's going to eventuate in just one sure last scene where everything gets real heated up and they get hell in the end. I mean, that's a, that's the classical that you know. That's next. Yeah.
3: On a grand scale.
4: Sure. Sure.
0: Well, I mean, he's a, from our point of view, he's a very, very interesting person because of the different, obvious different aspects of his makeup, you know, that were, he's complex and all the different, Dynamic forces that were working in Nixon are something that's pretty easy to see from our point of view because we're, you know, he was in the goldfish pool and we were all watching it from the outside.
3: I guess all, all paranoids in general are masochistic.
0: Well, it's, you know, what the managers say that everybody's a little bit touched. The thing is that. Well, they, they go further and say, we are all touched. But the difference between somebody who is seriously touched and, and uh, those, the rest of us who are all touched is simply a matter of degree. So the paranoid is uh, simply the fearful aspect of ourselves carried to an extreme.
6: I think it has a lot to do also with the hopes that people have. So, you know, some people have a whole bunch of hope, and they, they really, they really see good things. They really want a whole bunch of good things, and they're continually frustrated because they want so much. And they, they, they've not been able to integrate their desire. Good
0: night. Good night. Good night. Uh, well, hope, of course, is ridiculous as far as uh, as far as the Kabbalah is concerned. The reason it's ridiculous, very easy to explain. You have everything already, you see. The only thing is that you're unaware of it. That's the problem. In other words, you're unconscious. Uh, you know, you're the rich man, son, but you don't know it. That's the problem. And, and so what it means in, in terms of suffering, it means that you have screwy values that are learned values, and you have to unlearn all those and start in from scratch and and get down to reality. And then you begin to uh, come into your heritage. Because, you see, the the highest goal in life is satisfaction. And that is something that doesn't depend on hope. This is something that is, we have the capacity for, Complete satisfaction, but we don't find it in the usual channels. In other words, the way we're taught to uh, to get satisfactions are material uh, channels, and so on and so forth.
6: It seems to me you left out one thing, though. It's also important. It's also working, and also you have to deal with. And that's not that's the part of your karma. You know, I have certain things that that I was born into or or got into somehow that I had to work through and and deal with. For example, making money or survival or providing for my children or whatever it is. And that's, you know, my hopes of getting my life together.
0: You got into that uh, completely at an unconscious state. I've been all through this, so I know uh, there was no matter. Hell, I didn't know what was going on when I got married. You know, I just got married. And when I had kids, I didn't know what was going on. I just had kids. All of a sudden, they were there. You know, there was no, uh, you know, big occult uh, twizzle about what was going on. You know, and uh, you know, I had this big vision, and uh, uh, all the main guys were there. You know, and all this kind of stuff. Forget uh, it, man. I was as stupid as the next guy. See? Uh, so, uh, what I'm trying to say is. There was no consciousness in the uh, sense that I'm talking about here. There wasn't any consciousness involved in. all. That was all karma, in other words, and all unconscious, as far as I was concerned. When I'm talking about, uh, I was talking about things in an absolute sense when I was talking about that we have the capacity for complete satisfaction. It, and it runs exactly counter to the world, at right angles to it. It has nothing to do with the world at all. In other words, in our spirit, we have a perception, which is, as the Hindus would say, bliss. That's the highest satisfaction there is. It's bliss, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And they tell us that it's a way of being able to see. Or a kind of awareness that we're capable of, and that's what I was talking about. You know, but that's that's an absolute proposition as opposed to you know, uh, I you know you know I like French fries and, uh, you know and the steamed clams and all the rest of it uh, as well as the next guy. But I wasn't talking about that. And kids are, kids are fun, and dogs are fun, and all kinds of things are fun. Well,
4: think higher than <laughs> oh, Well, that's good.
0: Yeah, but uh, in, in other words, the self is, as they say, the enjoyer. And they describe it as knowledge, existence, and bliss. It's all wrapped up in the self, uh, and so it's a kind of goal. You know it's, a, it's kind of a thing that we keep we keep working toward but it doesn't mean that uh, you know we shouldn't uh, enjoy dry roasted peanuts in the meantime it doesn't mean that at all it's just that we have to keep this in our head so that we don't we don't lose the essential little spark that's that's in this notion isn't so. that
4: right back to uh discrimination up there in six i mean
2: that's
0: the relative
2: value of things or their place in their relative importance yeah you had a comment David? oh just that if you get rid of hope you also get rid of fear so that you're in reality
0: yeah yeah Not this is this be. is uh yeah right uh, you know this is why i was talking about mainly, which again is uh, i was talking from the absolute point of view you know uh, Sure, you have to have hope uh, on a certain level. You know, It's very necessary. Faith, hope, charity, and all these things are all true on a certain level. But uh, when it comes to the self, which is our main concern, well, then something else takes the place of hope. What? Surety.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. That's the eighth thing
3: in the pattern.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and then instead of hope, you have. Not
3: assured knowledge.
0: Yes, yeah. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to depend on hope anymore. And then, uh, of course, as you know, our sensibilities uh, develop and, and we, we get into, as Paul <coughs> points out in his remarks about Sheen and so on, we get into areas of awareness that are simply close to us in the past, and as we do, uh, again, we're supported in ways that uh, were not open to us in the past. So we have much more support than, than we'll say average. This is all part of the uh, getting rid of a lot of things like hope and, and we'll say prayer in the ordinary sense of praying for something. You
2: know. Would you put that on Gabura, uh, hope and fear?
0: Well, I think that's well put, really. Because, uh, you know, that whenever you get into something like fear, you're really talking about hope as well, aren't you? I mean, you're, it doesn't, in other words, unless you're destroying something, which is the fear element coming in, that's the something that you're going to destroy is where the hope is. You know, this is the... Your, you know, your project, your pride and joy, and everything else, everything that you hold precious, is the basis for your fears. That
2: creates a lot of action. Oh yeah,
0: a lot of anxiety too, (laughs) a lot of, a lot of stresses. Well, thank you so much for joining me as always. I do appreciate it your company very, very much. Well, we, uh, we get into a much different trip from, uh, from the pool. We get into the magician, so uh, obviously the whole attitude of this fellow is that he's doing something of a very specific character and uh, um, three Three guesses. What is he doing? <laughs> so what he's doing actually is—he's the energizer and the, the magician, and the thing—the business of energizing is something that's that's really a lot of fun because uh, this is how we make things happen by—is by the energizing aspect of ourselves. And when he's performing that, you'll notice that he. He he can take off the red robe, but while he's doing what he's doing there, he's wearing this red robe of desire And so the desire nature is very much part of this energizing that's going on. I think you'll enjoy this poking around in the magician, Keith. I hope so. Until then, alles gut.